I want to welcome you to day four of our look through Ephesians chapter three and daily drive time devotions. We're going to be looking at verses 14 through the first half of verse 17 today. You might remember the last couple days we've been talking about what it means to see yourself as a significant servant of Jesus Christ and how servants see themselves. As we get to the end of this chapter, we, we begin to look at what it means to have a sense of spiritual confidence in your life that grows out of how you see yourself in Christ. Uh, I would call these verses how to develop a confident faith, not a selfish faith, not a self-confident faith, but a Christ-confident faith. You might remember yesterday, back in verse 12, we talked about approaching God with freedom and confidence in our lives. How do we get there? You may have even thought that as we read that verse yesterday. How do I get to that place of freedom and confidence in my relationship with God? Well, here's where it starts. It starts on your knees. It starts in prayer. Ephesians 3, 14 to 15. For this reason, Paul says, the reason of all that he just talked about, the reason of what Christ is doing through us, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. To live your life as a significant servant of Jesus Christ, a significant servant of others, prayer must be an important part of your life. And yet, for many of us, I would say even for most believers that I talk to, prayer prayer is something that we do. We're faithful to pray. Prayer is something that helps us to sense our closeness to God from time to time. But we don't don't sense the power of prayer most of the time in our lives. And, And maybe that's as it should be. You don't always have to feel power for it to be there, but you do have to know it. You do have to know that there is power in prayer. And so these next couple days, we're going to talk about how do you empower your prayer life in such a way that you develop a more confident faith. There are two prayers in the book of Ephesians. The first we've already looked at back in chapter 1, verses 17 to 19. It's a prayer for enlightenment. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Here is the second prayer. In verses 14 to 21, and I would call this a prayer for enablement, a prayer for seeing, first we have in chapter 1, and this is a prayer for being, being the person that God's made you to be, the servant that God has made you to be. And in order to empower your prayer life, Paul gives us some very simple, very simple tips here in what he says, a man who had a deep, deep prayer life. He tells us to pray with a reason and pray with an attitude. First, pray with a reason. For this reason, he says, I pray. The reason is found in the previous verses. The reason is found at the end of the chapter, some people say. But whatever, there there is a reason. Because God is so available, we sometimes lose the reason that we're praying. You might try asking yourself the question sometimes, why am I talking to God right now? And a lot of times we, we answer, because I'm supposed to. I mean, this is what Christians are supposed to do. But God told us to ask. God told us to come with a reason. Why am I talking to God right now? You see, I don't know about you, but if I don't do that, I find myself praying the same things again and again without even really thinking about what I'm praying. Now, by the way, when we talk about praying with a reason, desperation is not the only reason for prayer. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. In other words, you don't just pray when there's emergencies. Many times I I pray with a reason because I love the people in my life. I pray with a reason because I see what God's doing in the world. I pray with a reason. That means you pray specific prayers. But Paul also said, and this may be the more important thing for all of us, pray with an attitude. In fact, there's two attitudes that are shown in Paul's heart here. Paul says, I kneel before the Father. And even in kneeling, you see the attitudes of humility and intensity. 
Kneeling, by the way, was not the normal Jewish posture of prayer. Prayer was usually done standing with arms outstretched to heaven. Kneeling, when somebody kneeled in prayer, it indicated great importance and seriousness attached to that prayer, great intensity. And here's Paul. When he was in these Roman prisons, he was often chained to a Roman guard. And I wonder what the Roman guard thought when Paul would kneel in prayer. He could sense his humility and intensity at the same time. Humble intensity. That's the attitude of prayer. And when I can get to that place, talk to my father with humble intensity, then I'm, then I'm coming to him with freedom and confidence. That's how I develop a confident faith. The book of Ephesians, by the way, it's interesting, is filled with truths about our spiritual posture. Remember, we've already talked about sitting with Christ in the heavenly places in chapters 1 through 3. We're going to talk about walking with Christ in chapters 3 through 6. And between sitting and walking right here is kneeling, kneeling. And by the way, that helps us to stand against the devil in chapter 6, verse 10. Sitting, walking, kneeling, standing, all the postures of a believer. And here it's kneeling in prayer. It is through prayer that we're able to believe like Christians so that we can behave like Christians and battle like Christians. Prayer with a focus Paul had. He prayed with his focus on the Father. I pray to my Father who is in heaven, he says, from whom the whole family in heaven on earth derives its name. Family here, the idea here is, is actually fatherhood. And the Bible's telling us here that we all trace our genealogy back to God. Let, let me just save you some time and trouble on all of those genealogical studies. We all go back to God. And that's the one root that we need to all get back to. I, I love that story about the little three-year-old whose father was given a new rank in the Navy. He was the grand exalted admiral of Her Majesty's fleet. And the little three-year-old asked, do you, do you think he'll mind if I still call him daddy? Well, God is the almighty creator. He is the holy one on high. But he doesn't mind if you call him father. The reason for your prayer is not the focus of your prayer. The reason for your prayer is not the focus of your prayer. We talked earlier about the reason. You go and you ask God. But the focus of your prayer is on who. Not on what you're asking, but on who you're asking. The focus of prayer is the Father. You don't focus on what you need so much as you focus on the God who can meet your needs. You, you see the difference between those two. And yet, many times I find myself in prayer confusing that difference and thinking the, the focus of my prayer is what I'm asking for. No, the focus is always on, on the who, on who God is. You want to develop a confident faith? Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 to the first part of verse 17 talk about prayer and how important that is. Let me read those verses. I pray, Paul says, that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul is praying, and he's praying for power in the lives of those who had followed the words of Jesus Christ. But he's also praying for power in your life. This is a prayer for power in any of our lives. And the question that's behind this prayer is, where does power come from in our lives? How do you develop a confident faith, a confident Christianity? In my own life, I struggle with this. I can easily get more focused on what I can't do for God than on what God can do in me and through me. That's an easy direction for me to take. But these verses remind us that's not the focus. The focus instead is on what God can do in his power. And notice in verse 16, Paul tells us that this power comes from the inside out. 
Look at the process that God uses to release his power in our lives. Out of his glorious riches, through his spirit, in your inner being. It begins with God, out of his glorious riches. And then God has sent his Holy Spirit into our lives, so it's through his spirit, and he releases this power in your inner being. So you depend on God, on the person, through his spirit within you. Do you see now, by the way, why Paul was so insistent in chapter 1 on talking about the riches that we have in Christ? It is out of these riches we talked about in chapter 1 that we draw for power from the inside out. In your inner being, he says. You see, you, you have an inner being where God is at work in power. What, what is this inner being? It's, it's not some strange thing. It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's what you think. It's what you decide. It's what you feel. It's your ability to relate to God. And God has come there to that place in your life through his spirit to show you the direction in life. So when you feel like, God, I just can't, instead of just saying, God, I can't, instead pray, God, through your spirit who is within me, if you want me to do this, would you show me that I can? Would you show me that you can through me? Because you see the result of God's power being in your life is, well, Paul says it this way, Christ is dwelling in your hearts through faith. I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, one question many people have is, why is Paul writing this to Christians? Doesn't, doesn't Christ already dwell in our hearts through faith? Well, dwell, the word here comes from two Greek words, the word for down and the word for home. It's, a, it's sort of a down-home kind of thing, and I can understand that. The idea of it here is to settle down and to feel at home. So Paul, when he uses this word dwell here, he's not talking about the fact of Christ's presence, which is settled the moment you're saved. He's talking about the quality of his presence, the sense of his presence that you have. You want to develop a confident faith? You realize that God has sent his spirit into your life and you draw upon that person within your life to let you know Christ is in me and he wants to work through me in this world. I'm not perfect, but he wants to perfect me. He wants to grow me. I'll never be perfect in this world, but he wants to grow me in this world. I don't always understand everything, but he does, and he knows how to direct me. That's what you draw on. In fact, let's draw on it right now. And would you just pray this simple prayer? Jesus Christ, I pray the prayer we just talked about today. I pray that out of your glorious riches, you would strengthen me with power through your spirit in my inner being. I pray that out of your glorious riches, you would strengthen me with power through your spirit in my inner being. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, join us tomorrow. We're going to continue our look at what it means to live out a confident faith as we end our study together of Ephesians chapter 3.